The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Um, we got to be better than we were. And that's one of the critical reasons why we're, we're sitting here having this end-of-the-year discussion as opposed to me working and planning and getting ready to play this week. And so um, we got to be better. I'm so happy for Zach. Um, just a, a great guy, a great man, and, and enjoyed my time with him. He, he helped me out so much early in my career. You know, really happy with with his success. You know, and hopefully he can come out on top this week. Have you been lousy in a playoff game? Any sport, basketball, football? Have you ever been just brutal in a postseason game? <laughs> I don't think so. Not that I can remember. Why? I think D-Lo's... Uh, pick six was just a huge momentum builder. They had like a little spot route, so you post stop right here, and that phone went here, and you'll see Kyler was like, oh no. And then, oh gosh, and then whoop. And then Dilo, touchdown. And I was right there, I saw it all in slow mo. I was like, oh my gosh, oh my, oh, touchdown. Let's go. It's a Tuesday edition of PFTPM. Didn't quite expect to see that today. Eric Weddle, happy to be back in the National <laughs> Football League after two years. Miles Simmons, happy to be back out of the foul-smelling bowels, literally, of SoFi Stadium and with us today. I assume your apartment doesn't smell as bad as it did after the game last night. No, no, no. That was a weird little thing. I mean, I texted this to you guys, you know, last night as it was going on. It reminded me of being at the Oakland Coliseum. I mean, that place was a real, you know, bleep hole, right? Like this is SoFi Stadium just opened. It's not supposed to be like that. I mean, it was so bad that Sean McVay literally interrupted his press conference to talk about how bad it smelled. What a strange, strange thing for a brand new stadium. There was indeed a pipe that burst somewhere. I saw that earlier today. It was not Todd Packer leaving something on Michael Scott's carpet. The pipe did burst this time. That was one of Michael Scott's theories to explain the thing that was on his rug. rug. Watch The Office on Peacock. There. I eventually landed the plane. So, uh, very smooth. Very smooth. You can tell. You can tell I'm a trained and experienced and highly skilled broadcasting specialist. Let's get to what's happening in the National Football League. And let's start with the game that you attended last night. That was a shocker. And, you know, we kissed a few frogs over the weekend. We had the Bills-Patriots game. Not great. Bucks-Eagles. Not great. Steelers-Chiefs. Not great. I thought we'd get the best in the last spot. And, yeah, Still, yeah, so much for my gut feeling about the Steelers. But I had a stronger gut feeling. Hey, listen, (laughs) listen, listen. I hear it from everybody else. I don't need to hear it from you. You aren't part of any of the wagering. Well, I mean, your Browns are home watching these games. Uh, So what? I mean, I don't know. I was on the show and you're like, oh, well, you know, the Steelers. And then you pulled off the terrible towel on NBC, the primetime audience, which everybody had switched over by then, you know, to see you just in time take out that terrible towel. And it really kind of looked okay. 
after a little bit and TJ Watt going in there for that fumble return for a touchdown. And then they made you look like an idiot. I, I at least did not look like an idiot for about 45 minutes. I enjoyed it while it lasted. So, uh, but anyway, one of anyway. the reasons that I was able to overcome what happened on Sunday night was we still had one more game. I was excited about the prospects of the Cardinals of the Rams. Chapter three, what a game closely matched until it wasn't. And we should have seen this coming because the Cardinals, for whatever reason, and we talked about this earlier today, I wrote about it at PFT. Cliff Kingsbury has a bad habit of starting okay to good to great as he did this year at 10 and two. And then it all falls apart down the stretch. And that's precisely what happened to the Cardinals. They just could not hang with the Rams. I was stunned. You were in the building. You saw it firsthand. What was your reaction to what played out? Well, I I mean, like JJ Watts said last night after the game, I mean, I, I just thought it was flat out embarrassing, you know, and when you are playing a division rival for the third time in a season to have your team completely unprepared for what was coming as Cliff Kingsbury did, especially as the offensive coach and play caller. Right? Like, that's what Cliff Kingsbury is supposed to be. He's supposed to be the offensive guru that's going to come in and help revolutionize things. And he's got his hand-picked quarterback from number one overall. And they finished the first quarter with negative three yards. Are you kidding me? Four consecutive three and outs to open the game. It was just unbelievably bad. And I don't think there's really any excuse for it. I I just, I don't understand how it could be that bad when you're facing a division rival for the third time in a season. I don't get it, man. And I just felt like when you're sitting there, especially at the end of the first half, yeah, there was only 35 seconds left. And I think they were starting at their minus 14 yard line. But if you think about it, you need something going, right? You need to do something at some point because you're not going to get the ball back at the start of the second half. And to run a surrender draw, when you've still got three timeouts and you've still got Kyler Murray and you just say, all right, I'm going to go in the locker room. I'm, I'm all right with being down 21 to nothing. I don't know how you do that. If, if I'm ownership, I'm livid today. I would have been livid last night. I, I just, I don't understand what was going on with the Cardinals. And the thing that was so glaring to me, Miles, when you look at the final statistics and you look at the rushing totals and you look at Kyler Murray, two carries for six yards, his lowest rushing attempt since week 17 a year ago against the Rams. You can't win a playoff game with the most dangerous running quarterback in football if he doesn't run. And I think to the first drive of the Patriots-Bills game, When Josh Allen ripped off a 26-yard run, that's a tone setter. That's a play that gets the opposing defense on its heels and forces it to be cognizant constantly of the possibility that Kyler Murray is going to take off. You've got to have that in your arsenal. You've got to do it. I don't get it. I don't know if this is another situation where the ankle bothered him all year long, just like the finger bothered Russell Wilson all year long. The calf bothered Dak Prescott who knows how long after he came back. But some of these quarterback injuries, it's not how much time you miss. It's how long it takes to get back to who you were before you had the injury. I don't know what the explanation is, but he was running more than two times per game. And if Cliff Kingsbury is going to call his shot on behalf of Murray and say he needs the best game of his career, two carries for six yards is not the way to get the best game of Kyler Murray's career. Oh, absolutely not. And, you know, talking to Aaron Donald, Von Miller after the game, I mean, Aaron Donald specifically said that they felt like once they started hitting him a little bit, that they were rattling him. 
right? That he just was totally uncomfortable and he could never really get into that any kind of rhythm. And I think, frankly, also, when you're going three and out that many times, like you're not going to be able to get into a rhythm anyway. So they couldn't run the ball. They didn't really do anything where it was like, oh, Kyler Murray maybe handed it off to Connor, to Edmonds, or he may keep it. You know, they weren't doing things like that. There was one play, too, where he's rolling to his right, and the, the Rams had him so well bottled up that he ended up sliding for a one-yard loss instead of trying to get anything on that play. And frankly, I mean, I understand him doing that because as the quarterback, you do want to live to see another down. But at the same time, it just kind of showed, like, this is the way the Rams are playing them, and the Cardinals just don't seem to have any solutions to anything that was being presented out there. And when that's the case, again, against a division rival, look, Mike, it's not like you know, we were seeing it with uh, the Eagles and Tampa Bay, where it's the two seed versus the seven seed. These two teams were the four and the five seed. Right? If the Cardinals had beaten the Seahawks in that week 18 game, then this game would have been played in Arizona instead. They should have, in theory, won the division. So to not be prepared at all, like I said, it's just inexcusable. And I don't know what they're going to do about that. But you can't keep going on and doing the same things like you've been doing because to finish one and five after you started 10 and two is unacceptable. And the Cardinals have a very long history of not keeping coaches for an extended period of time. As I mentioned earlier today, the longest, and this team's been around more than 100 years, the longest anyone has ever coached that team was six years Jim Hannafin and Ken Wisenhunt. That's it. Ken uh, Wisenhunt took the team to the Super Bowl and didn't last much long after that. But for Kingsbury, this would be year number four coming up. And I can't I, – if, if I own the team, and Cardinals fans everywhere should be very glad that I don't. But if I – although, based upon how we're seeing well, some of these minute, other yeah. owners behave, you could do a hell of a lot worse than me owning your team. <laughs> I'm starting to believe after 20 years' experience of following this sport every single day, all the ins and outs, nooks and crannies, all of the nuances, all of the rules, all of everything that goes along with it, I think – I think – I could own a team and run a team and at least get to 7-10. and 10. But uh, regardless, the Cardinals need to decide what they're going to do with Cliff Kingsbury. And it wasn't all that long ago that he was in the catbird seat when the Oklahoma job came open. And he didn't do the Mike Tomlin angry walk-off, never say never but never. He was very coy. Well, I don't, you know, hey, uh, mm-hmm. leveraging his deal. Well, it helps to win football games in December and January if you want to leverage your deal. He ain't getting an extension, and I wouldn't give Kyler Murray an extension right now either. That creates an interesting scenario, Miles, because I just posted this a little while ago. Unlike 99.9% of all players in the National Football League, they don't have any alternative when they're under contract for multiple years. They can't force their way out. Now, you could could have different efforts, and it never gets that far. But Kyler Murray could just say, screw it, I'm going to play baseball. That, that's what's fascinating about it. And when you get ragdolled around a little bit like he has, and maybe there is a height limit for this ride, and maybe he is a little bit too small, and maybe he is a little bit too slight. Hey, but, but seriously, it was a point somebody made today. Because Sims and I talked about it. We've met Kyler Murray before. I'm taller than Kyler Murray. And, I and I'm 5'11 and 3 quarters. So, yeah. And, and I, I know from being at games when – the gladiators come out in full uniform. IP. That's how scary and big they are. Seriously, I need to go uh, uh, extra garment on those nights because it is it is frightening 
how, how intimidating they are, how big they are. And I'm taller than Kyler Murray. Now, look, he can run and he can zip and he can do this and he can do that. But how many times do you have to be hit square uh, to, to, to feel differently about football at that level? And I'm just saying, when you were top 10 pick of the Oakland A's, if you're not going to get the contract that you want and you're 24 years old, and I don't want it to happen. I love Kyler Murray, but I think he's at a crossroads. And I don't know how much he'll talk about it because he's very guarded. But, but I really do think that he, he's, he's at a, a spot where he's got to ask himself, am I all in with football? Because if I'm ever going to get out, now's the time to do it. And I'm not saying, look, I'm not saying he should. I'm not saying he will. I'm just saying he is the extremely ultra-rare NFL player who truly does have another path to a professional sport that he could probably play a hell of a lot longer than he's going to play football, Miles. He, he does. I mean, this is the, this is the we're just asking questions segment. I mean, I, I don't. Yes. Just saying. I, I know what I think it's more of an organizational problem than it is just like a Kyler Murray thing for the Arizona Cardinals. Right. I mean, you know, I, I think about the middle of the season when Murray and DeAndre Hopkins went out for an extended period of time. Right, they were out a few weeks, and then they had the bye, and then they came, both came back against, um, I almost called them the Chicago Cardinals because that's what we're talking about, the Chicago Bears. Um, and then they were both fine for a little bit, and Hopkins had to go out again. Right, so in that period of time, they beat San Francisco, they beat Seattle, but they lost to Carolina. And at the time, you know, we were kind of like, ah, it's, what, what kind of big deal is that? You know, they're playing Colt McCoy. It was Cam Newton's first game back. It's this, it's that. But I feel like that kind of was almost the turning point of the season and we didn't necessarily all see it because if you're not beating the the Panthers and you're not really being competitive against the Panthers in that situation, it's like, wait a minute, what, what's really going on here? Then a few weeks later, they lose to the Rams on Monday night football. They go to Detroit, they lose there. I mean, and just get their, their clocks clean, which is another kind of inexcusable loss. It's kind of the same thing to me that happened with the chargers when they go to Houston and they get their butts beat. Right. So I think it's not – I understand what we're saying about, like, okay, well, is Kyler Murray going to do this? Is Kyler Murray going to do that? Is he going to think about going to baseball, la, la, la? Maybe Kyler Murray has got to be the one to say, listen, we have to figure out what's going on organizationally for us as a whole that we're not just going out there and having embarrassing and terrible performances, and we have to figure out where that's coming from. Because you know, if he's not put in a position to succeed, then, yes, at a certain point – that's maybe something that's going to enter into his mind. But I also don't feel like if you're a quarterback in the NFL, you can be anything but all in as a quarterback in the NFL. And now that he's been doing it for a few years, that I just I feel like that's where he would be. Awkward spot for Kyler Murray if he would be inclined to go see the owner of the team and have a conversation about the possible wisdom of a coaching change because Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury have the same agent. Remember all that talk from three years ago, how that we were connecting the dots and it was, you know, Cliff Kingsbury comes to take over a team that just used a top 10 pick on quarterback Josh Rosen and they tried to downplay it and we, we knew all along what they were going to do. I, here's, here's one for you and then, and then we'll move on to other Cardinals okay. news. You, you should be concerned about this. I, I hear the trepidation in your voice, and it's justified. And, and I'm just having fun. Please. I am <laughs> just having fun. We're here to have fun, people. Before you tweet out what a Hit moron I am. speculation button. Let's do it. Okay. <laughs> I'm just I'm, – I'm throwing it to you. You play the role 
of Jerry Jones. Would you do Kyler Murray for Dak Prescott straight up right now? And if you were the Cardinals, would you do Kyler Murray for Dak Prescott straight up right now? The old Dan Pastorini-Ken Stabler trade from the 70s. Would you do Prescott for Murray right now, Cowboys to Cardinals, vice versa? I would not do it if I were the Cowboys. I would do it if I were the Cardinals. Wow. Wow. See, wow. I would do it if I was the Cowboys. The guy's 9-0 and in my stadium. I would do it. I would do it if I was the Cowboys. I mean, I get that, but like, eh, I I think Dak, I I just, I think Dak is too good of a quarterback. And I mean, talk about another situation where coaching might be letting him down. Like that's one in Dallas. Well, and you're absolutely right. And look, one of the things I've said all week, this is the theme of the week. There are a handful of great coaches in the NFL and there are everybody else. And the truly Mm -hmm. great coaches in the NFL, this is something else I've picked up over the past 20 years. The truly great coaches in the NFL have an obsessive attention to detail, and they are on top of everything. And when they call a quarterback draw with 17 seconds left on the clock, their quarterback will get down in time to, to snap the ball again and spike it. And their quarterback will get out of the way for the umpire to spot the ball. And the center will get out of the way for the umpire to spot the ball. And they will get it. I mean, little things like that just scream out. And Bigger mm-hmm. picture, what we saw last night with the Cardinals, there will be a game plan that incorporates the biggest asset that Kyler Murray has, his speed. It, it's, it's, it's just obvious to me. Right. And there's a small handful of coaches who operate at that level, and then there really is everybody else. And you got 25% of the league churning through everyone, trying to find that guy that will join the best of the best, and nobody knows. Nobody knows. Nobody knows who that is until they actually get on the job and show what they can do. Yeah, it's true. I mean, I mean, I think about, look, what happened with Sean McVay in 2017, right? Who would have thought that a guy who was 30 at the time when he got hired and then turned 31 a few weeks later would then turn into what he's turned into? And what's kind of interesting, too, and a few people on Twitter have pointed this out, is that, like, you know, every, the, the, the oh, my gosh, you know, Sean McVay's buddy has gotten the job, and everybody just wants the next Sean McVay and this and that. Well, you look at the final eight, a couple of those guys are still in it right now. Zach Taylor in Cincinnati, who was Sean McVay's quarterback's coach in 2018 when they went to the Super Bowl. I mean, look, he's doing a great job with Joe Burrow. Matt LaFleur was the offensive coordinator in 2017 um, for Sean McVay. He wasn't calling plays then, obviously went on to Tennessee and then became the Green Bay Packers head coach. I mean, Matt LaFleur has done a fantastic job, as good of a job as anybody probably could have done, except for with the exception of maybe winning a Super Bowl uh, in, in Green Bay there. So I, there's something to, you know, getting the right guy at the right time. But you're right. You don't really know who exactly the right guy is going to be until they get out there on the field and then they're actually implementing whatever their football philosophy is on a day-to-day basis. As I praise the handful of coaches in the NFL who pay great attention to detail, I notice that I am not paying attention to one important detail, which is the time. We are bogged down in riffing on the Cardinals, and we got a lot of ground to cover. So let's move on. But before we move past the Cardinals, let's hear from Buda Baker, the defensive back, who suffered a scary injury last night, went to the hospital via ambulance. Here he is giving us an update on his condition. Say thank you for all the well wishes and the prayers from everyone, and I appreciate you guys. And, you know, everything came out clean. I'm going to make a full recovery, so definitely blessed. And just excited to get out of this hospital, you know, get back to Arizona. You know, I haven't been able to shower. I stink still. Just ready to get back home and be with my family. 
Love you guys. Appreciate all y'all. Always sending love. That's good to see. It's good sense of humor. I stink still. At least he has yeah. an excuse. I stink anyway. And I haven't been in the hospital overnight. It's a reminder, Miles. And and I don't want us to get desensitized to the possibility of a very serious injury because we see guys once every couple weeks taken to the hospital, putting on the backboard, and we always get good news. It always works out well. And I don't want us to think that that's always the case. This is an effort to ensure that someone is properly taken care of in the event that it is a serious injury, but it's a reminder that it can happen. This is the risk that players take. This is why I always say get paid what you can while you're, you can. The players are the ones who are out there taking serious physical risks. NFL and college. One of the reasons why I bang the drum for college players to get paid. They are putting their bodies in harm's way every time they go out there. And good news that Buda Baker is going to be fine, but it's a reminder that we need to appreciate. You know, we want to be entertained, but we need to appreciate these guys are taking some serious risks. And, you know, oh, they get paid millions of dollars. Well, trust me, trust me. If the worst case scenario happens, they trade every penny they ever made to be whole again. Uh, absolutely, Mike. I mean, when when something like that happens and you're at the stadium and, you know, you see players kind of go down to a knee immediately and they're calling the trainers from basically both teams onto the field, you know that something serious has happened. And then you get the stretcher being wheeled out onto the field like that. There's not much more that's, you know, disturbing really and scary um, when you're watching a football game. So I, I really, really am happy that Buda Baker's all right. And, you know, it was also encouraging that the Cardinals provided those quick updates to say that he had all the movement and all the extremities and he was alert and he was able to and communicative uh, when they were taking him to the hospital. And it, and it wasn't any worse because when you like I said, when you see something like that, that's that's about as scary as it gets on a football field. Yeah, absolutely, and good news that he is okay. One other item of business coming out of Monday night's game, Raheem Morris, and the ESPN crew, the main crew, mentioned a couple of times that Morris should get some consideration for head coaching jobs, and with so many jobs available, there are plenty of guys who should get considered. Morris is a guy who was extremely young when he became the head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, 32 years old. He had a couple of years there, and we know how the Buccaneers will quickly sour on someone and move on. They fired him after just a couple of seasons and hired Greg Schiano. But Morris has done a lot of things since then. He's coached on both sides of the ball. He's maybe at a point now where he's more prepared than he ever would have been. And I don't think it should count against him that he previously had a head coaching job and it didn't work out. Bill Belichick did. You learn a lesson. You learn what not to do. It's part of your broader experience. So on top of all the experience Raheem Morris has gotten as an assistant, Miles, he's got firsthand experience as a head coach. So if anybody's ready to make the step, it's him. And the Vikings reportedly will interview Raheem Morris. They're also looking for a general manager. These teams are doing concurrent searches, but I think they all would like to have a GM. I've been told they would like to have a GM in place before they hire a coach, but Morris on the radar screen for the Vikings, and I think other teams should want to interview him as well. 
Yeah, look, I, I think he's done a pretty decent job with the Rams defense taking over for Brandon Staley, who, of course, became the Chargers head coach after they finished as the top defense uh, last year to the L.A. Rams. So I think what you're saying about experience is true. Like when you are able to not just coach on defense, but also on offense and be an assistant and then not just be you know a head coach a long time ago, but then he also got some more experience as a head coach last year with Atlanta after they fired Dan Quinn, they turned to Raheem Moore and made him the interim coach. So I think that, yeah, he is probably ready for another opportunity. And I don't I don't see it as a bad thing either that he has that previous head coaching experience. I think it's more of a positive because you understand how you have to operate from day to day. And then this uh, endorsement that we're putting up there on the screen right there from Jalen Ramsey. I mean, this is one of the best defensive players in all of football. And he's saying that he's had some great coaches, but this is one of the best that he's ever had. And he learns something from him pretty much every single day. So, I mean, that it's not everything, but that's also not nothing to me when you have one of the best players in the league saying something like that. Boy, what a dilemma that becomes for Sean McVay, too, if he loses Raheem Morris. He lost Brandon Staley last year after only one season, and they were dismayed that Staley landed on another team's radar screen so quickly. Now Raheem Morris, after one year potentially leaving, find another defensive coordinator. Oh, it's, it's not easy, but it's easier to replace a defensive coordinator than it is to replace an offensive coordinator, a good offensive coordinator, because that's what I always say. I always say, and, and look, Raheem Morris has enough experience on both sides of the ball that I don't think it's a detriment. I always say skew toward getting an offensive head coach because if you get a defensive coach and your team does well, you got to go find another offensive coordinator who's got to strike the right relationship, the most important relationship on the team with your quarterback. So we'll see what happens with Raheem Morris. Let's go ahead and take a break. We've got plenty more PFTPM coming up right after this. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. PFTPM Tuesday edition. Last week, Nick Casario, the GM of the Houston Texans, met with reporters after a very careful four-day process of delicate deliberations regarding the very difficult question of whether to bring back David Culley for a second year. And during that press conference, Nick Casario offered no update whatsoever on Deshaun Watson, who didn't play at all last year, basically by mutual agreement, got paid more than $10 million. Today, appearing on Sports Radio 610 in Houston, Nick Casario was a little more talkative about the future of Deshaun Watson, given the possibility that Brian Flores becomes the Texans coach and maybe Deshaun Watson would have a change of heart. Here's Casario. I think, you know, there's been some commentary and, you know, that that more than likely would not be the case. But I think, to your point, again, like you mentioned, I think we just have to be open-minded and just take the information and process it and ultimately make the decision, you know, that we feel makes the most, makes the most sense for, for everybody involved, whatever that looks like. 
And look, we're one year removed from where we were with this situation, and it's becoming higher stakes for the Houston Texans in 2022. It's not 10 million fully guaranteed in 22. It's 35 million fully guaranteed. And there's still a no trade clause that Deshaun Watson possesses. He's got a lot of control over how this plays out. And the challenge for the Texans is getting multiple teams to the table that Watson would accept to trade to, getting a deal done with that team and making sure that team is comfortable with whatever is happening as it relates to the off-field issues of Deshaun Watson. And on top of that, you need to get that done before the team that would be interested in Deshaun Watson lines up something else. You know, as soon as the coaching carousel stops spinning miles, the quarterback carousel starts. And some of these teams that Watson may want to play for may make other plans. So this could go off the rails for the Texans. And they may end up paying him $35 million to not play in 2022. Man, I can't imagine that. Wow. That would, be, that would be really, really wild. I mean, honestly, it's pretty wild that they even paid him $10 million to not play this year. I mean, I don't think that anybody would have thought at this point last year. And granted, we didn't know about the 22 cases that were going to come up for Deshaun Watson either at that point. But just the fact that we had one of the game's really elite talents at quarterback entering his prime, if not already in his prime, just not play for the entire season, that's pretty wild. And so to think that, you know, the Texans could be in that kind of rock and a hard place that would make them maybe pay him $35 million to not play for another season. That's pretty interesting. It's really, really interesting. I mean, especially because look, I think you, like you said, you know, the, the, the quarterback carousel will start spinning once things get settled down with coaches, but I don't remember exactly when the last head coach was hired last year, but even so, you know, you had Matthew Stafford that trade get agreed to in late January. So these things are going to start to come up more and more as the course of January continues, more teams get eliminated from the postseason and more teams start thinking, okay, this is how we want to start shaping our future. Yeah, last year it was January 30, the Saturday between the conference championship weekend and the Super Bowl that news broke of the Stafford deal. And none of these deals can be officially done until March 16th at 4 p.m. Eastern. But we see every year the Alex Smith trade from Kansas City to Washington four years ago that happened the Tuesday of Super Bowl week so it it can happen it will happen and if you have a team that's making its plans at quarterback it needs to make decisions it needs to implement the decisions so Watson is going to continue to hover over the Texans and you know at some point one of the options for the Texans is to say you just have to show up we're not paying you 35 million dollars you got to show up and play right we're done with this but the the question is are they philosophically done with him that's the one thing that I've kind of presumed is true, but they've never come out and said it. After the 22 civil lawsuits and the criminal probe that is still happening, has Cal McNair slash Jack Easterby decided we don't want this guy playing for us anymore based on these allegations? We don't want to welcome him back. We're just holding on to his contract as an asset that can be traded. But, you know, it could be they end up getting less in March than they would have gotten if they would have pulled the trigger on this during the season. They were just waiting and waiting and waiting to try to get more. And one of the things I heard, and I don't know if this is true or not, Casario so concerned of getting the unofficial disapproval of Bill Belichick for not getting enough for Deshaun Watson that he maybe waited and waited too long because he doesn't want his old boss to think ill 
of the haul that he gets for one of the great young quarterbacks in football. That's uh, there's some deep seated issues there. If that's really the case, I don't know about all that, man. Once you leave a decade with boss, Belichick, it's... hey, a decade with Belichick oh. will do that to you. You've only been with me a year and a half, and trust me, you're already messed up. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's probably true. I don't know. My next, but whatever I go on to my next job, hopefully not for a long time. Uh, you know, I probably think, oh gosh, what's Mike Florio gonna think of me saying this? I don't, I don't know about that, man. That's weird. <laughs> well. Hopefully we won't find out anytime soon. Yes. Uh, here is Mike Tomlin, <laughs> whose quarterback will be moving on. There's no indication, no reason to believe, no expectation that Ben Roethlisberger is coming back. His contract expires anyway. There's no retirement necessary. Right. He's going to be a free agent. Here is Mike Tomlin talking about the team's plans at quarterback post-Ben. Is the organization operating under the assumption that Ben will not be <clears throat> excuse me, playing next year? And do you think Mason and or Dwayne Haskins is ready to be an everyday starting quarterback in this league? You know, we are proceeding with that assumption. Um, both guys, Mason and Dwayne, have had their moments, but they'll, they'll have to prove that. Right now, you know, all options are on the table, uh, but those decisions are interrelated based on our global needs and the totality of those global needs. And, you know, I enjoy working with Kevin this time of year because we, we just, you know, we speak plain English, you know, we have to improve our football team. There's two major ways that you, you do it. You do it through free agency and you do it through the draft. Hey, look, all options are indeed on the table for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And Sims and I talked about this earlier today. I had forgotten this, but during that blowout on Sunday night, when Al and Chris were filling and filling and filling the content, because the, the Steelers made, lost really badly. Because the Steelers lost really badly. The comment yeah. was made about the future of the quarterback position. And Collinsworth kind of knowingly, kind of jokingly, kind of winky, naughty. I, I got the impression that he was suggesting Aaron Rodgers to Pittsburgh. Kind of reading between the lines. And remember the, the googly eyes that Aaron Rodgers made at Mike Tomlin and the, the, the look that Tomlin gave back to Aaron Rodgers. Uh, hey, Rodgers could do a hell of a lot worse for his next destination, and the Steelers could do a hell of a lot worse for their next quarterback. The question is whether they would do that kind of they, – they don't seem like the type of team that is going to make that kind of a move. But you know what? You want to win a championship? You got a guy who's a two-time MVP, because I fully expect that he's going to win it again this year, and four-time MVP overall, and he wants to come play for you? If that's the case, man – I hope it happens. Aaron Rodgers, 100 miles up the road. We will. We will break bread. We will drink tequila. We will have scotch. We won't. But it would be fun to. It would be fun to at least like stalk him, show up at his house, get shot by his security staff. Hi, Aaron. Doing, dude. Uh, I like the idea of uh, Aaron Rodgers going to Pittsburgh too. I think it would be interesting, not for the reasons that you were just mentioning, but because it would kind of be an interesting football move, right? I mean, he would have pass catchers like Chase Claypool, Deontay Johnson, Pat Frymuth, who I think is one of the good young tight ends who's emerging in this league. And there are definitely things that would be attractive to Aaron Rodgers should he want to go to Pittsburgh. You also brought up the fact that it's not necessarily something that the Steelers would do. I mean, they also were not a franchise that would guarantee 
uh, money beyond that first year of the new contracts, right? And then they did it with TJ Watt because he is one of the best defensive players in the league. And I think that TJ Watt went out and rewarded them for doing that, right? So these are the kinds of players that you make exceptions for. You make exceptions for TJ Watt because he is arguably the best edge rusher in the league. You make exceptions for Aaron Rodgers because he's arguably the best quarterback in the league. So if that's something that like the, the excuse me, the Patriots, the, the, the Packers, uh, and then the Steelers could somehow agree to, and I don't think the Packers would be very happy about it, but at least they'd be sending him to the AFC. Uh, then, yeah, I think the Steelers should be all over that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we had been focused on the Broncos as the potential next destination for, the, for Aaron Rodgers. And it's not like either division is going to be easy. There it is. There it is. Hey, <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, come to Pittsburgh. AFC North with the Bengals and the Ravens and the Browns. AFC West with the Raiders and the Chiefs and the Chargers. That's why if I'm Aaron Rodgers, I am staying put. I'm not leaving the Packers. The grass is not greener anywhere else because the Bears and the Vikings are going to have new head coaches. The Lions are in year two of the kneecap-biting experiment. It's not like there's another quarterback out there that can threaten me and compete with me. I own that division. I run that division. And when you can, when you can dominate your division, that's the easiest path to the one seed. Oh, that's yeah. the easiest way to get there. Hey, Titans got the one seed. One of the, reason, one of the reasons the Titans got the one seed, they don't got to deal with three other really good teams in their division. They got, not, not, although they, they did lose to the Texans, but still the competition in your division makes it easier for you to fatten up your record and, and not just win your division, but get the number one seed. So I, if I'm Aaron Rodgers, I'm not leaving Green Bay. But if he does leave Green Bay, come to Pittsburgh. Come to Pittsburgh. Um, I, 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 think that, uh, I think that it would make the 2022 season incredibly compelling, to say the least. Yeah, well, not, I mean, the rest of the NFC North would rejoice. I mean, my gosh, you know, they get to face Jordan Love two times a year, presumably, instead of Aaron Rodgers. I mean, you, you know what, though? When you bring up the AFC South, what if he got interested in the Colts? Because certainly the Colts are, like, probably looking at whatever they can do at quarterback to maybe upgrade from Carson Wentz after the way they collapsed. I mean, I know that the Colts didn't actually make the postseason, but the Colts collapse and the Cardinals collapse basically to me are like these two things that are like parallel, unacceptable things. So if, you know, maybe Aaron Rodgers gets interested in Indianapolis and maybe they get interested in him and may, you know, I know we didn't see him make googly eyes at Frank Reich, but like that's another team that at least in theory kind of makes sense to me is a ready-made contender that's not in one of the hardest divisions in football. I kind of like that. I hadn't really thought of that. But they've been so ambivalent about Carson Wentz that they clearly are going to consider their options. And now, 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 when I think back to, I think it was Friday night, the the message from Jim Irsay delivered outside of his private jet while the engine was idling. When I watched that and watched that and watched that again and reflected on some of the things he said during the 2021 season about players getting vaccinated – I don't know that he would welcome Aaron Rodgers to the team unless and until he's vaccinated because I think when he talks about being all in and you got to walk through the door all in and we allowed fear and doubt and whatever, I, I think that's what he's getting at. So they'd have to set that aside. But but trust me, trust me, I think most teams would 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 deal with an unvaccinated Aaron Rodgers and take the risk that maybe he would miss a game because it happened this year and it ended up working out just fine 
for the Green Bay Packers. Let's go ahead and take a break. Some injury updates as the divisional round creeps closer and closer. It's just four days away. We'll be back with more PFTPM right after this. What do you know about Mike Vrabel, Joe? I know he was a, you know, he was one of my favorite players growing up. I played both sides of the ball, so that was always fun to see when I was young. You didn't see that a lot in the NFL. Growing up, Macaulay Culkin uh, sporting a little peach fuzz there, Joe. I still can't, every time I see him, he looks more like Macaulay Culkin should have looked grown up than Macaulay Culkin actually looks grown up. I am Especially sticking with, with that. the beanie on. Now, with the beanie on, too, you know, like, because he, he just, it makes the face look even more pronounced or whatever you want to call it. I don't know, man. I just, I love the way Joe Burrow carries himself. He's just got such swag. I love it. He, he really is this generation's Joe Montana who doesn't look the part, right? But oh, he's he just, and, and not, well, no, no, I mean, no, no, he doesn't, he just, he doesn't have that, I don't know, he just doesn't have that. It's the Tom Brady, the just the, the 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 just the mean steely look. He's fresh faced, innocent looking. I mean, it is a compliment. He doesn't look like the guy who would take over a team. I, I think at one point Peter King referred to him as a baby face killer. That's kind of what he is. He just he looks like a kid. He looks so young. He looks so innocent. He looks so fragile. And then he rips your heart out and shows it to you like Indiana Jones in the Temple of Doom. So uh, I, I think it's I think I've it's seen. great. Bengals are a great story. One of the movies from the 80s that you've actually seen. I'm impressed. Go. I'm impressed. The only one. We've identified the one. You know, it's funny. I, I think it was on Peacock that I saw Gremlins recently. Well, of course it was on Peacock. Even if Gremlins isn't on Peacock currently, <laughs> it was on Peacock. It was on Peacock that I saw Gremlins. Uh, I, I had forgotten if I ever even knew how bad that movie is, but I can't stop watching it once I start watching it. It is so bad and the the gremlins both pre and post metamorphosis are so cheesy and so cartoonish anyway um enough of that what are we talking about oh mike vrabel one of joe burrow's favorite football players when joe burrow was growing up here's vrabel from today talking about the status of the best running back in football derrick henry who could be playing this weekend we'll be in pads today i think that's a good step we'll have to have some contact it's it's been a while um, you know, since he's had, you know, contact, you know, we're going to have to do these things that, that will come close to, to replicating uh, what's going to be asked of him in a football game. So, you know, again, we, we'll have a week of work and we'll see how he feels and make a decision. Hey, I, I, I just assumed he would play. And maybe they're being coy just because Ugh. he's a Belichick disciple and he's just going to be coy, but... Uh, hey, the Titans have shown they're good enough to win without him. But if they get him back at 100%, if he has a Cam, Cam Akers effect on the game like Akers did for the Rams last night, that makes a huge difference for the Titans in this one. I don't care how well the Bengals are playing. They're going to have a hell of a time dealing with Derrick Henry. Oh, yeah, they, they definitely will. I mean, this video, I think, is great because you, know, you see 91 right there. I mean, one of Derrick Henry's teammates are like, whoa, man, I didn't think it was going to be like that. I mean, we're just doing a drill. 
And so I think that Derrick Henry is ready to go. You know, he seems like he's fresh. And if that's the kind of physicality that he's showing in a practice, that, 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 that's really a good news, I think, for the Titans. And the other thing about the Bengals is that they just lost their defensive tackle, Larry Ogunjobi, to a foot injury in that game against the Raiders. So that obviously is not going to help you when you're trying to stop a guy like Derrick Henry and you lose one of your starting defensive tackles. It's not great, Bob. Not great. Yeah, um, you you like that not great Bob GIF. You use it. I love that. You yeah. use it a lot. I, do, I use it, all use the time. it a lot. It's one of my it's one of my three like top ones. You know, you got the not great Bob. You got Leo uh, from uh, uh, what a great Gatsby at New Year's, and there's the one with the man with the red cup. That's probably the three uh, in the top rotation. Oh, also Leo saying uh, you had my curiosity, but now you have my attention from Django Unchained. Yes. It's a great one. Yes. Uh, well, I definitely am curious about what's going to happen with Derrick Henry and the Tennessee Titans. That's the first game of the weekend, the mid-afternoon, late-afternoon game between the Cincinnati Bengals and the Tennessee Titans. The uh, Saturday night game, a great one at Lambeau Field. The 49ers taking on the Packers. The Packers are hopeful that they will have Cedarius Smith, that they will have Whitney Merciless, that they will have Jair Alexander for this game. Huge boost for the defense as they get ready to figure out how to slow down a very you know, run-heavy, efficient 49ers offense. But you know, the Achilles heel of Jimmy Garoppolo is going to rear his ugly head at some point, I believe, during the game. But the more weapons that the Packers have available on defense, the better chance they have to hold that team in check. This one's fascinating to me because we've seen the 49ers handle the Packers. I know the Packers did win in week three on Sunday night, drove down the field, got the late field goal, exciting game. Before that, two two or three times in a row, the 49ers had really had the better of the Green Bay Packers. But, you know, the 49ers are a very, very good team right now. The Packers need all the help they can get if they want to hold serve at Lambeau Field and have the NFC Championship game at home for the second straight year, Miles. Yeah, see, this is one of these benefits that you get when you have the number one seed and you can rest guys like they were able to last excuse me, last week with the bye. And then now, you know, you're able to bring guys along a little bit slowly and make sure that they're integrated into practice properly before they have to go out there and play on Saturday night. So I, I think that they're in a really good spot, the Packers are, I mean, because it's not like the pass rush for the Packers was totally lacking. Right? I mean, Rashawn Gary doing a great job. Kenny Clark, always good up the middle. So you also have Preston Smith, too. I mean, we talk about the Smith brothers, even though they're not really brothers. So I think adding those guys back to that um, to that pass rush, to that defensive front, is going to be good. Because like you said, with Jimmy Garoppolo, it seems like there's only a matter of time before he makes a mistake. Right? And if you are able to pressure him, the more guys you're able to send after him, the fresher you're able to keep your edge rushers as they continue to get after him, then the more likely you're going to induce him into making that mistake. Jimmy Garoppolo has a right shoulder sprain. He's expected to practice on Wednesday. He's still dealing with the thumb injury. Nick Bosa's in the concussion protocol. Fred Warner's got the ankle. And, you know, one of the realities of playing on Monday night, and I don't know how differently this would have been configured. Ideally, ideally, and this is one of the realities also of having so many playoff games, but I'd like to think if you play on Saturday one week in the postseason, you play on Saturday the next week. If you play on Sunday, you play on Sunday. But because you got the Rams that played on Monday, can't have them play on Saturday. The 49ers who played on Sunday, they got to play on Saturday. So that that's 
I don't know that it's an unintended consequence. I think they don't care about that consequence. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but it's too bad. Too bad. But you've got a team that's got 14 days to get ready versus a team that's had six days to get ready. So an extra day of advantage and rest for the Green Bay Packers relative to what it could have been because it should have been a full week for the 49ers coming off of their wild card game. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I mean, that's the way it worked out for the Bengals. You know, they were able to get that game scheduled on Saturday where they had already beaten uh, the Las Vegas Raiders. I almost did it. I almost called them the Oakland Raiders. They were able to beat the Raiders on Saturday. And so then they're able to get this next game on Saturday too. But I mean, it could have been maybe an advantage for them if they had worked it out so that that game was scheduled on Sunday instead of the other one, right? So, I mean, Kansas City is hosting it and they get a full week of rest and preparation for the Bills. The Bills actually get an extra day because they were the ones who played on Saturday night against the Patriots. So I think it's like you said, I don't think the NFL really cares. They just want to make sure that these games are scheduled and that they're in windows where they're going to maximize viewership. Yeah, if you get six days between games, that's the most you're going to get. And it's the least you're going to get, I guess I should say. Uh, It's never going to be less than six, but uh, they're they're not going to bat an eye about that. And didn't we have the conversation about they should just call the Raiders the Oakland Raiders? They play in Las Vegas, but just call them the Oakland Raiders. That that just they. I think that was you and Shereen, but it was on this program. I think it was a week ago. Oh, thank you for watching. But what's wrong with that? I think that makes a lot of sense. All right, let's take a break. We will bust open the mailbag to wrap up this Tuesday edition of PFTPM right after this. The longest field goal ever attempted is seventy-six yards. The longest field goal ever missed. Also, 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. How about this development? And this is not from the NFL Referees Association. The NBA Referees Association issued a statement today condemning the recent comments made by Dak Prescott condoning violence against game officials. As an NFL leader, he should know better, the statement reads. We encourage the NFL to take action to discourage this deplorable behavior in the future. I'm surprised the NFL Referees Association hasn't said anything because... It, it, it was a bad look for Dak. It's a bad message to send. Let anyone think that it's permissible to throw items on the field anyway, except in Buffalo. But if you're throwing them at someone with the goal of striking them with it, whether it's an opposing player, a player on your own team you're not happy with, or a game official, that's completely and totally unacceptable and there's a bright line there, I think, as as to the messaging that should come from anyone associated with any sport. I'm surprised the NFL hasn't said anything. The NFL Referees Association hasn't said anything. And I'm surprised Dak Prescott hasn't found a way to walk it back, Miles. Yeah, I think he does need to walk it back. I mean, regardless of whatever he said, you can't do that. You can't condone those kinds of things. I mean, I remember when I was growing up in Cleveland and they had one of the worst calls in history at the end of that game between the Browns and the Jacksonville Jaguars and they started throwing bottles on the field. And that was a huge thing in Cleveland and why they took off 
bottle caps and all these different types of things that you then couldn't have at the stadium because they want to prevent something like that because something serious could happen and something serious could come out of that. So at some point, yeah, the NFL probably should be condemning this. The referees association should be condemning it. And Dak Prescott just needs to walk it back a little bit because there's no room in the sport for that kind of behavior. The anonymity of being in a crowd gives people cover to do a lot of things they would never do if they weren't hidden by a mob. And hopefully the modern technologies will be used to spot who threw those items in Dallas and take appropriate action. PFTP on Posse has a question. Will Rich Passaccia get consideration for other head coaching openings? And if so, potentially which ones? And this is a great point because to the extent that we're saying Passaccia should be a viable candidate to stay with the Raiders, why aren't these other teams saying, hey, as we put our dance card together and figure out who we're going to interview, how about the guy who showed that he could take over a team on short notice and carry a team to the playoffs and come within seven points of scoring an upset on the road. I don't know why other teams aren't already putting in a request to talk to Rich Passaccia, Miles. Well, it's interesting. I mean, it's, the status of him right now is pretty unclear, but I think it's getting more clear by the day, given what happened there yesterday in the clumsy firing that the Raiders had of Mike Mayock. And frankly, you know, by the way, as an aside, Mark Davis should be ashamed of himself for the way they treated Mayock on the way out the door after Mayock cleaned up all his messes publicly with everything that happened with John Gruden, Henry Ruggs, and Damon Arnett. But to actually answer the question, I think that Passaccia should be under consideration, even though that he's, you know, a former special teams coordinator, and that's the way that he's been doing things. Look, I mean, he has right now coordinators in Greg Olson on offense and Gus Bradley on defense, that if he brings those guys with him, that's a pretty darn good staff, I think. Even if you're talking about someplace like Jacksonville, where you've got a number one overall pick, who's got to be raised into being a good quarterback. I think Greg Olson is capable of doing something like that. So if I'm different teams, yeah, I'm looking at Basachi and saying, that's the kind of staff you can put together then come on in, at least for an interview. No harm in giving the guy an interview. John Pascal, if both coaches were let go, who would be hired first? Mike McCarthy or Cliff Kingsbury? I'll go see neither. I don't think, he, I, I don't think either <laughs> is getting another chance. McCarthy's had his two. Kingsbury's getting his one. I don't know that Kingsbury's done enough with his first one to get a second to Miles. What do you think? Well, I would say that Cliff Kingsbury would get hired first as an offensive coordinator in college. Probably, probably accurate. Maybe, maybe an opportunity in Carolina. Maybe. Although, oh, yeah, what's he done one. as an offensive? What's he done as an offensive coordinator in the NFL? to put him on the short list. But I agree yeah, with you. He would get hired first coordinator job. So that's right. why it would be in Carolina. Yeah. But I agree. He would get an opportunity at that level before Mike McCarthy would. Neil watches PFT. How much longer do you think Bill Belichick stays in his current role with the Patriots? You know, we were talking about this earlier, five years from now. Will, will Belichick still be with the Patriots? He's 69 years old. I don't know, Miles. What do you think? I, I, Robert Kraft told me several years ago he'd like Bill Belichick to coach into his 80s. What's the over-under on how long Bill Belichick stays as coach? Oh, I would say, like, it's called four and a half years, right? Uh, just to make it, you know, with five is probably where I would say he, you would at least make it. You know, I, I don't know. I, I think that he could do another five seasons. Why not? I mean, he's still doing a darn good job of coaching. It's not like the Patriots were a bad team. Now, they had a bad performance against the Bills, but I think that with some retooling of that roster, he could still be, you know, in that playoff mix and go farther next year. 
That is it for today. Thanks, as always, for some of your time. We'll see you bright and early, 7 a.m. Eastern for PFT Live. Have a great evening. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.